Richie, we're going to go in order with these questions. I hope you guys are on your A game. So, Rich, I mean, Ed said you don't take yourself very seriously, but we, we all know that you're a delightful fellow. But I'm sure, in how many years did you lead your church, bud? Um, I think we were in about 20-odd, 21, 22 20, years. 20-something 20 years. years. There must have been 20-something years people who criticized Richie Pratt. Oh, yeah. So, church planters looking, they, they're now bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. They got Jesus on their side, you told them. The devil's already defeated. But what they're going to do, this is the question, what, what they're gonna, how did you handle criticism when it came your way? Yeah, I think, um, Grant, the, the discouragement factor is huge when you, um, when you put yourself out there. Because you, 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 you're busting your guns every Sunday, and you look across there, and there's 15, 20 people, and you go, and then somebody criticizes you and says, you know, you something wrong or you said something wrong or whatever. I think um, I alluded to it in, in, in my talk. Uh, I, I always would bring it home and ask myself these two questions. Um, do these people love me? And if the answer to that was no? If, they, if it's no, then shake it off. Okay. Just I, I don't care. Okay. You, can, you have your right to have your opinion. Okay. If the person loves me, mm. different story. Then I want to hear what they've got to say. Mm. And then I, if the answer to the first question is yes, mm -hmm. then I ask myself the second question. Is this going to help me be a better leader? Okay. And, uh, and, and invariably, um, you, can, you can have a discussion. But, but Richie, how do you just brush it off? You got to... That's, that's the art of not taking yourself so seriously. You just got to say, you I should know, ask Ed this question. Yeah. You just go like, well, yeah, there's stuff about you I don't like. You know? And I could, for one thing that you say about me, I've got a hundred that I could say to you. But, okay. you know, so. So you got to just toughen up if they don't like you. got to toughen up. Okay. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Not be offended. Now, now, Richie, here's another one. How, did you, how do you cope when, you know, you've planted a church, you've gathered your crew. They, yeah. they come around you, and, you know, they think that you you like the great apostle that's been sent into their lives. Church begins to grow, and you've suddenly you start looking after other people. Yeah. And then they get up the miftry, and they leave. So now, does it hurt you when people leave? Yeah. Um, How do you handle that? I think, I think it, it is. It's a painful thing because it's hard not to take it personally. Mm. But I think um, you've got to remember that this is Jesus' body. It's not yours. And you don't have the right to own anybody. Um, people make their choices and their decisions. I found, though, that Christians generally um, have to have a reason or, or in order to leave, if they feel, because we've all heard that the Lord's moving me on. We've all mm. heard that. Mm. You know, the Lord, it's always Those the words. Lord. It, you know, he gets blamed for all of this. Mm. But, uh, but. It's the Lord's way yeah. of hurting church. And so in order, if there's no good reason mm. for a person to want to leave, they've got to create one. Mm. So then they get upset about mm. something. And, and if you can honestly before God say, to yourself that you have done nothing wrong mm -hmm. and your team around you is supportive in that and, and, and say, you know, Rich, you, you did everything right. 
uh, and these guys are unhappy. We've had people that it hurts. Yeah, it does hurt. Yeah. But you've got to let it go. Because, okay, Ed. And you've got to bless them and say, yeah. off you go. God bless you. Have a nice life. See you in heaven. Because that's about, <laughs> that's about all you can do. <laughs> okay, Ed, from a guy who takes himself a little bit more seriously, when one of your disciples says he wants to go to another church because God moved him on, how do you handle it? Um, to be honest, I, I have really had to work through that over the decades. Um, and for a long time, time I didn't get it right I reacted very personally and um, uh, ungraciously actually and I, I think I think now um, I, th I think Hads and I handle it much better now and I think it's it's got to do with um, seeing God as their father God is doing something in them and and I get to be I, I've, I've preached this thing once that we are we are builders of another's house, we are shepherds of another's sheep, we are guardians of another's children, and we are eunuchs of another's bride. I've preached that. Yeah, you have to preach it to yourself, I know, you? no, yeah. but I'm preaching it to myself now. Yeah, yeah. And I think the thing that's helping me understand it, though, is, is, um, is firstly in the way that I relate to people, from even people that are very close to me now, people that I know I'm discipling right now, I've already started thinking of them going, uh, which I've never done in the past. So yeah. I, I see them now as, as they're temporary. not as temporary. Yeah. yeah. And that's helping. Wow. Melly, this question centers around a pastor preparing his sermon and he's just not sure on his doctrine. He's just, he's, he's, he hits a passage of scripture that he thinks, ooh, but now... Now he's told them he's doing a series on that. He's now stuck, as you said. So what do you do if you just don't understand? What would you recommend a, a young preacher do? Well, to this day, I surround myself with a lot of really good commentaries. And, you know, I'm not a guy with a lot of money, so I'm very grateful for all the free resources like on Esword and uh, Olive Tree. And but, but how do you know the commentary is accurate? How yeah, that's a good question. I think uh, that, that is where mentors would, would come in and more seasoned guys in the gospel, um, because I think I, I've worked through so much stuff over the years, you, you start uh, understanding who, who's really got a good grasp on theology and uh, a good grasp on the Christian life, and I think that's where mentors come in, uh, they can suggest, um, because I worked all that stuff out. So, so basically you're saying for a guy, speak to people about who he's referencing, Yeah, that's what you're saying? Absolutely. So yeah, great. Here's another question for you, Melly. When you plant a church, you often attract a whole lot of people that have got some weird ideas. And they've basically fallen out of a whole lot of other churches. Now they're blessing you. Yeah. How do you ensure that the truth is preached and that their ideas aren't like a disease that gets caught by others? That's paraphrased what they're asking. Sure. No pressure. <laughs> Look, I think the, the key is love. And um, is, is to really allow the word to speak um, as graciously as possible mm. and um, to understand the context. Because we, we always, when you start preaching the word systematically, you're going to come across some very difficult issues. And I think, 
Now that I've got older, um, I think the thing is, is, is love and, and compassion. So, so you, if I'm hearing you, you're saying love the person but preach the word. Yeah. Uh, so accept the, it's certainly don't give them the microphone. Yeah. Love them. Yeah. Preach the word strongly. Yeah. What you, would your answer to that be, Richie? Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I think that you preach the word uh, as, as accurately as you know how. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that you, I think there's, there's an incredible amount of building that can take place on a one-on-one. So um, if somebody comes with a doctrine or a, something that is not what you as, a, as an eldership subscribe to um, as a, in a local church, and, and sometimes even planting, you, you don't have an eldership team or you've got a small group of people that are kind of... You're saying handle it one-on-one. Yeah, so I would handle the... the, the the error, error or whatever it is that is not agreeing with you uh, on a one-on-one, because mostly, I mean... Yeah, because you, if you got up and said it, then everybody exactly, knows... Everybody knows who advertised. you're talking about. Yes, so, exactly. Uh, I think you want to keep... I, I love That's what Manny wise. says, honor uh, will love, but, but you do that by honoring. Yeah. And wise. so you do not dishonor somebody publicly, wise. I think. Edwin, you spoke about... Uh, you've referenced burnout. If someone is close to burnout, what do they do? Um, Ray, and many of you guys will know Ray Oliver. Um, Ray Oliver said to me uh, a couple of years ago when we came back now, he said, Ed, uh, I was saying to him, I seem to have made some bad decisions over the decades. And he said to me, Ed, you you generally make important decisions um, he said, he said, you have made really important decisions at low times, not in rebellion, but in isolation. I might be paraphrasing a little bit. And that was a really uh, profound thing he said to me because I realized I, I, when I feel, and I have had a burnout, a clinical nervous breakdown, um, when I was 28. We planted when I was 27 within a year. And, and what happened was, and I think this is what happens with guys when they have burnout, is that, is that you withdraw. That's the first thing that happens. And actually, you should do the complete opposite. Mm-hmm. So if, you've, if, if you have close friendships, and particularly like ministry friendships, um, if I can just be personal, like if I was leading a church somewhere, I'd get hold of you. But, but your natural thing is to withdraw and to hide away. And, and so you don't get the the counsel, the wisdom, the guidance, the support of guys, and you basically fall apart alone. Hmm. So I hmm. think I think having really good ministry friendships that, that are vulnerable and honest, and, 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 and it could deal with anything that's going to shipwreck your ministry, whether it's burnout, adultery, anything like that, to have those people in place that you go to bef- when you are tempted to start withdrawing. Yeah. You go to guys. Melly, I know your story that you've had a burnout. Yeah. Um, how did you personally uh, get out of that? It's a long story. Huh? Yeah, just a shortened version. And how old were you when that happened? I was about 38. And the irony was that I was actually very fit. I was jogging and I was playing um, golf. I was playing league soccer. Uh, so I was very fit. And mine happened literally in one night. In one night, I went to a meeting on a Sunday night with our people. It was 
after a protracted time of ministry with Gerald Coates' team from England. And I went to the meeting feeling jittery. And that night, my whole life just impounded. And uh, so mine was very unique in that um, not only did I have the emotional burnout, um, I, I had a massive urinary tract problem. So I had major physical illness with the emotional side. So you're a man down. Just give us one, the major thing that pulled you through. Because look at you today at 70. How old are you now, man? 70. Yeah, look at that. Um, it was a long, long time, of, uh, a long process. Um, so for the first four years of my burnout, I, I was in and out of the church. And then Dudley and the team said to me one day, uh, you need to come out of there, you're going to die. Uh, literally. And that's when Ian McKellar invited me to Brownston. And to give you an, an idea of the extent of the burnout, all I was able to do for the first two and a half years was work half a day in the bookshop. Wow. So my restoration has gone from working in the bookshop, then, then teaching for three years uh, in the King's School, biblical studies, and then 13 years in, in the Bible College. Wow. So your answer is pretty similar to Ed in that Dudley, Ian McKellar came around you and provided an environment that you could recover in? Well, it was Leon van Dahl, actually, because Leon van Dahl also went through burnout. And he walked with me literally for the first five years of my burnout. Yeah, wow. So, I mean, there's there's a very emphatic answer to that uh, question. Ed, uh, he has a question. You said adultery stops the ministry in its tracks. When you were a very young man, you, you were stopped in your tracks. How do you get out of that hole? If someone's watching today yeah. and is in that hole right now. Um, yeah, again, I, I would, going back to Ray, uh, because you just, I think that adultery stops, um, it's, it's an immediate disqualifier. Okay? Other things are slower, but, but adultery is an immediate disqualifier. And, and obviously the, the a thorough honest, um, uh, no a, a non-conditional repentance is really important. And then I think that the, the tendency again, as with burnout, would be to withdraw. Um, you, you, just, you just think about guys you've known in ministry that have had adultery. Very few guys come back because you, there's a lot of things. There's shame. There's all sorts of things. It's just easier to go and start another job somewhere else. And um, I think the for Hads and I, our relationship with Ray, which actually wasn't, we weren't big mates or anything, but, but we, we, looked for a, we looked for a relationship, not a place. Wow, that's so, very profound. Yeah. We're going to draw this to a close, but, you know, it's funny how these questions went. But the answers to those very serious ones were basically, don't go plant alone. I mean, you might be alone in your planting team, but... Don't do it in isolation. Have people around you that you build bridges in times of peace so that when you need to, to roll in the artillery, they can come. 